Guideline First Look Guideline for Prevention of Unintentionally Retained Surgical Items by Lisa Croak The updated AORN, Guideline for Prevention of Unintentionally Retained Surgical Items, which was previously called the Guideline for Prevention of Retained Surgical Items, provides guidance on preventing unintentionally retained surgical items, RSIs, in surgical patients, including recommendations on such topics as accounting for surgical items, preventing retained device fragments, reconciling count discrepancies, and using adjunct technology in addition to manual counting. According to Julie Kahn, Senior Perioperative Practice Specialist and Lead Author of the Guideline, the title was changed in this update to clarify that items are not retained intentionally and to create alignment with how other professional organizations refer to this topic. Quote, Readers may be wondering about things that are intentionally left in the patient, such as therapeutic packing during a trauma procedure and other items, such as biliary or urinary stents, where implantation was intended only for a short period of time. End quote she said. Quote, Any sponge retained from use as therapeutic packing after the wound is closed is an unintentionally retained surgical item, and items that are retained in the patient after they are intended to be removed would also be unintentional. End quote. The guideline was last updated in 2016. The updated version will be available in the AORN eGuidelines Plus in December 2021. Device Fragments Four new recommendations were added in this section to take measures to prevent intravascular device, for example, catheter guidewire, fragments. A standardized checklist for insertion of devices with guidewires should be used and should include a two-person verbal confirmation that the guidewire is removed and intact. Because distractions can increase the risk of a guide wire or guide wire fragment retention, insertion and removal of devices with guide wires should be considered a critical phase, during which distractions should be minimized. Insufficient policies and procedures also have been reported to contribute to guide wire and guide wire fragment retention. Therefore, Policies and procedures that include an explanation of how to manage devices with guide wires should be created, implemented, and periodically amended. Foam pieces This update includes a new section on foam pieces used in association with negative pressure wound therapy, NPWT, devices. A standardized procedure to communicate the location of and removal plan for foam pieces used in an open wound with an NPWT device, should be implemented. An interdisciplinary team should outline in the policy and procedure what process should be used when there is ambiguity about the location or retention of foam pieces in the wound as part of an NPWT dressing. The NPWT device manufacturer's instructions for use should be followed, including the steps for preparing foam pieces for the dressing. When possible, the foam should only be cut if needed to fit into the wound, and the number of foam pieces used in the dressing should be limited. Quote, Wounds that have foam pieces used in a dressing as part of an NPWT device may be irregular and deep. End quote. Khan said. Quote, 
only cutting the foam when necessary to fit in the wound may help limit the number of pieces that are removed during dressing changes or as the wound heals. Having a limited number of pieces of foam may help personnel performing dressing changes or removing the device. Verify that all the pieces have been removed. End quote. The number of foam pieces placed in the wound should be documented in a section of the patient's health record that all personnel who place, change, or remove foam pieces can access. Communication regarding the number of foam pieces used should be part of the transfer of patient care and documented in the patient's intraoperative record. When patients return to the OR, for a procedure that includes removal of an NPWT dressing, the number of foam pieces to be removed should be identified and documented in the health record. The surgeon should perform a methodical wound exploration. Patients should be told about any foam pieces that were intentionally left in the wound as part of the NPWT device dressing, along with a plan for removing the pieces. Khan indicated that the benefits and harms of using radiography to rule out a retained foam piece is unclear. Quote, The foam used in dressings for NPWT devices is not typically radiopaic. Therefore, it is unclear if a retained foam piece would be identifiable on radiographic film. End quote, she said. Quote, However, radiography would expose the patient to radiation. End quote. As such, no recommendation could be made regarding the use of radiography to identify retained foam pieces. Adjunct Technology This update also includes new recommendations on adjunct technology. Adjunct technology used to prevent RSIs should be cleared by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration or deemed exempt from pre-market notification. As outlined in the previous version of the guideline, an interdisciplinary team should assess adjunct technology before using it in practice. However, this update now also lists a series of evaluation items. These include the manufacturer's instructions for feasibility in practice, processes for cleaning and disinfection of reusable devices and equipment, personnel preferences, costs, and electromagnetic interference with pacemakers, implantable cardioverter defibrillators, and other electronic medical devices. According to Kahn, the biggest change in this update was recommending that adjunct technology should be used, rather than may be used, to supplement manual counting processes for surgical soft goods. Eleven new activity statements intended to support implementation of this recommendation also were added, bringing the total to 14. Quote, Retained soft goods continue to occur despite manual counting processes and the use of radiography during count discrepancies. End quote, she said. Quote, Adjunct technology is needed to help improve the accuracy of manual counting procedures for soft goods by verifying the outcome of the count or helping locate misplaced soft goods. End quote. Some of the new activity statements include the policies and procedures should outline when the use of adjunct technology may be waived, that adjunct technology should be implemented throughout the organization at the same time, and that adjunct technology should be used even when the count is correct. 
because of the potential of electromagnetic interference with medical devices, perioperative team members should be verbally notified and verbally acknowledge the notification before adjunct technology devices that use radio frequency and radio frequency identification are used. According to Kahn, there have been a few reported cases of temporary pacemaker inhibition associated with adjunct technology devices that use radio frequency. Quote, It has been suggested that this may be avoided if the temporary pacemakers are set to asynchronous mode before using these adjunct technology devices. End quote, she said. Quote, Setting a temporary pacemaker to an asynchronous mode may not always be optimal, however. So researchers have suggested that providers weigh the risks and benefits of pacemaker inhibition individually. End quote. Pacemakers and implantable cardioverter defibrillators should not be programmed when adjunctive technology with radio frequency and radio frequency identification is being used. Conclusion This updated guideline provides guidance on preventing RSIs in surgical patients. It includes new recommendations related to device fragments, foam pieces used with NPWT devices, and adjunct technology, among others. Kahn noted that facilities of different sizes, patient populations, and surgical specialties may have different issues related to RSIs, so an understanding of the risk for RSI specific to each facility is essential. Quote, By providing these interventions, we hope that facilities review the content and compare it to the clinical practice of their perioperative personnel to determine where improvements may be made to protect patients from RSIs. End quote, she said. <laughs>